Hey, it's Eric Hulkerin, and this is the first episode of Behind the Headlines, a weekly podcast that will feature newsmakers and the newsmaking decisions behind the biggest stories on MLive.com. On today's episode, we talk to Emily Lawler, political reporter and editor at MLive, who currently edits the breaking coronavirus news. If you had told me a year ago or six months ago that the second most important I covered, thing I covered in a week would be the presidential primary <laughs> in a battleground state, I would have said you were crazy. Um, but that's how it turned out. So let's get into the episode. The coronavirus pandemic has been an unprecedented national crisis. It's had dramatic effects on our social lives, our economy, and on all forms of public policy. At the intersection of all this is politics, and the drama of the last two months has played out in daily headlines coming out of the Michigan Capitol in Lansing. My co-host, as always, John Heiner, Vice President of Content, and our guest, as I said earlier, Emily Lawler, political reporter and editor at MLive, who's currently leading the charge with the breaking coronavirus news. John, how are you, my friend? I am doing well, Eric. It's great to be here. Interesting times. Um, <laughs> yes. We usually say that, but it really means more now, doesn't it? Absolutely. And Emily, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm great and coming to you from uh, the middle of my kitchen here. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, well, Emily, you have been covering politics in Michigan uh, for getting on a decade now. So you've seen an awful lot. And I know politics is sometimes portrayed as a life and death struggle. Uh, It's hyperbolized. There's a lot of drama. But this situation literally is uh, more than 4000 deaths in Michigan since the outbreak began in March. And some would also characterize the economic fallout uh, to businesses as a form of of harm and you know, death if you were going to be overdramatic. But uh, in your experience, is this unprecedented? Have you seen anything like this politically? No, I mean, there are definitely things that I can draw on as, as far as former experience or relevant experience. But no, I mean, this has essentially been a breaking news event that's the most important thing in the state uh, for two months now. I, I think that's where we're we're at with the clock. So um, just in terms of like both the the importance and then how sustained this is, I think it's completely unique to anything I've covered. And I don't feel out of the loop on that because uh, I asked Julie Mack, one of our longtime reporters who's been with the company for 30 plus years, uh, where this ranked kind of on her scale. And she, she said, too, that it was pretty unique among things she'd covered. So I, I think we really are in a, a pretty uh, unprecedented time and unprecedented situation right now. So, Emily, what is what is your day to day like then? Because you're covering the entire state. You're having to keep track uh, of all of the moving pieces, so to speak. And you're you're not necessarily able to be in the epicenter. So uh, what is your day to day like to make sure you're, you're finding all that stuff? Yeah, well, I'm lucky I have a really great uh, team working with me right now. I was obviously uh, covering the the Whitmer administration and politics, uh, something I'm comfortable with and something I've done for a long time. But uh, as we sort of examined MLive's structure during this um, sustained breaking news event, essentially, um, I got tapped to lead our breaking coronavirus coverage. So uh, my colleague Shannon Murphy is working more on the the enterprise side, which is like the long term stories, the really deep dives that you're seeing. Um, I am essentially taking my team of people and drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> there is just a ton of news coming every day. Um, you know, I try to plan for what we're going to cover each day, and I think by noon that plan has never not been out the window. <laughs> so. Uh, it's really just an extreme deluge of information at this point. Um, and keeping on top of it's really difficult. Um, but having, uh, 
you know, five reporters from around the state um, who have different geographic locations and different sets of experience has been really helpful in trying to, to get our arms around um, a problem that's not just uh, regionally specific or even state specific or nation specific. Obviously, it's a global pandemic. Emily, our office in Lansing is a block or two away from the Capitol. It's just like literally out the back door. And uh, I'm sure there's a certain cadence to covering the legislature, hearings, subcommittees. Um, this has all kind of gone out the window, just like everybody else relearning to work remotely and live their lives from home and so forth from experience of covering the legislature and state government. Uh, for me personally, it's been difficult. I, uh, I got into journalism because I wanted to do something different every single day. Um, you know, covering Lansing uh, politics is certainly that. Um, the back door you mentioned being steps from the Capitol, um, I dash out it several times a day, usually trying to get to, um, you know, either maybe helping Lauren out with some stuff around the Capitol, getting to some of the governor's events and press conferences, uh, going out to talk to state agencies, um, leaders of state agencies, uh, departments about some some policy issues. Um, you know, going to conferences and industry association meetings, um, trying to pick up some more specialized knowledge there. So it's really, um, you know, I, I think that for a lot of people, work from home has meant transitioning from going into an office for eight hours a day to, you know, working from home eight hours a day. Um, for me, it's really transitioned from going to, you know, probably five or six different physical locations every day to just being here in my kitchen with you. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think may change permanently as a result of this, both in procedure and how they do business, but also in how people view their political leaders and, and get their information? Well, I think that um, in terms of how the chamber looks on a daily basis, uh, it's really different right now um, than it would have been, you know, three months ago. Um, so, you know, when I was covering the Capitol every day, you would go in and, um, the the sergeants knew knew who all the media was in the Senate uh, in the House you might have to uh, sign in I think um, but you, you would go in and they'd know who you were <laughs> you'd get on the floor you could talk to lawmakers on your way um, grab people in the hallways um, obviously people are social distancing right now uh, and the the Senate and House have put in measures to try to um, keep people separate, to keep the media separate, um, seating everyone six feet apart um, um, to the greatest extent feasible. And I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, but those are all temporary changes. And actually, the proposals to make the legislature more able to meet remotely um, have not gotten a lot of traction, have not gone anywhere. Uh, and then one other um, big change that uh, Democrats are asking for is to stop allowing guns in the state capitol. We've had two protests. Mm -hmm now um there there has been a firearm presence um it's made people uncomfortable i think the the local rep in uh lansing a few days ago um had asked the police to escort her into the capital and I, I think that we could see more and more um that that the presence of guns at the capital is is making some people uncomfortable and the capital commission has formed a committee to to take a look at that issue I wanted to talk to you about the two protests. There was one on April 15th and there was one on April 30th. And um, they got a lot of national attention. If you were down on the ground, it looked fairly chaotic. I saw some drone shots that showed it. It was a relatively modest sized crowd, maybe a couple hundred people. But as political theater, did it achieve their aims? You know, I think that's, that's hard to answer. And I, I would 
I, I guess step back and examine that phrase political theater a little bit because uh, you know, to some extent, I think that, um, you know, this was well planned, especially uh, the the first protest came from an existing organization's infrastructure um, in terms of uh, Republican uh, organizations in the state. But I think there's also a lot of people who show up out of a real grassroots sense of urgency about this, um, you know, the the dual crises that you mentioned of the economy um, and and public health, I think there are people who who genuinely, um, you know, want to express and want to communicate to their lawmakers, their leaders, um, certainly Governor Whitmer, um, that they don't agree with the extent to which these orders have shut down uh, people's livelihoods at the expense, perhaps, of saving their lives. She did make some changes between those two protests and since those protests as well. She has said that her decisions will be based on data and science in the public health. But do you believe there's a political element as well to her? Because I know she has a a pollster and I know she's looking at the polling data as well. So just for our sake, why don't you talk about how that works uh, from the inside? Yeah, so I I recently did a deep dive into uh, Governor Whitmer being a national figure right now. Um, You know, I would say that three months ago, six months ago, when I was looking for interviews with the governor, I was competing with maybe uh, the Detroit News, the Detroit Free Press, um, some some papers around Michigan, the occasional national. Um, Now I'm competing every single time with CNN and all the major TV networks. Uh, If you didn't see it, she made a a parody uh, Saturday Night Live. And I figure for for anyone to parody you, they have to um, know that a national audience will know who you are, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, she's really, really been looking at uh, this as as how she fits into the national picture, I think. Um, I, I have seen her um, obviously promote um, the the science behind her decisions. I think she's taking a look at that, um, and I believe her when it, when she says it's uh, her guiding principle there. But if if you believe the polls, <laughs> it looks like uh, the people who are showing up and protesting at the Capitol are, um, you know, kind of falling into that category of a vocal minority. Um, the latest poll I saw was from the Washington Post. It ran through. Um, May 4th, so a little backdated at this point, but I think 72% of people thought that Whitmer was uh, approved of her handling of the virus. So uh, that was above the national average for governors of 71%, far above uh, Donald Trump's uh, approval of his handling at 43%. Um, so I, I think it's hard to read those those grassroots activists we talked about as in any way speaking for a majority of Michiganders when, when you look at it in conjunction with those numbers. May 28th is the new extended stay-at-home order. Uh, Get out your political crystal ball and tell us what you think might happen beyond that. I mean, today, Fauci in Washington was urging extreme caution for states that are moving forward with loosening restrictions. What are you hearing um, based on internal conversations, but also what the data is showing? I think that the the governor has been pretty clear that she's taking a by industry approach at this point. Um, I think that Republicans would rather uh, she take a by region approach. There's been a lot of pushback against, um, you know, when you look at a place like Detroit, where the coronavirus has hit um, extremely hard, um, you know, if you're basing the some of the precautions around uh, what they're experiencing versus what a county with a handful of cases is experiencing, I think a lot of people are 
looking for a more regional approach. Um, but the governor so far has taken a buy-industry approach. We saw that this week she reopened the manufacturing and real estate industries. Um, and I think that what we're going to see next is uh, announcements about further industries. But as far as May 28th, I would be surprised if we could go back to business as usual in terms of the the public facing stuff we're used to. I don't see us getting together for a beer on May 29th, John. Although if oh, I, come on. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if I'm wrong, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. Going back to the Republicans, uh, the last protest on April 30th, I think it was Shirk who came out on the uh, on the veranda there and, and spoke briefly to the crowds. Uh, again, how much of that is uh, for show? And how much is happening behind the scenes? I guess that's my question to you is how much negotiating is going on? Uh, read some things and stories where they seem pretty frustrated with each other. So there was a pretty vitriolic flashpoint, I think, when uh, Governor Whitmer's director of communications released some internal emails um, to reporters between um, the governor's office and the Senate majority leader's office. I think Mike Sharkey really saw that as a betrayal. Uh, he characterized it in one interview with another organization as um, a double middle finger or giving two middle fingers <laughs> to him. So... Um, certainly the relationship between specifically uh, Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky and Governor Gretchen Whitmer has never been uh, the smoothest of seas, um, but it's looking like a complete freeze at this point um, from my perspective. Uh, they are, uh, Governor Whitmer, when she took office, was uh, she comes from the legislative realm, of course. She was the Senate Minority Leader um, when she served in the Senate. Um, and she, one thing she committed to was um, doing quadrant meetings with the um, Democratic and Republican leaders pretty regularly. Um, and from what I've heard, she's uh, kept that up during the pandemic. Um, they are looped in. But at this point, I think Republicans are struggling with her either having or claiming, <laughs> depending on your perspective, um, the emergency status. She's she's issuing these emergency orders that um, don't require the legislature to weigh in. The legislature declined to extend the state of emergency um, and is now suing her in court uh, to say that she doesn't have the authority to do so under a, a 1945 law she's citing. So I think that uh, certainly the relationship between uh, the governor and legislature is probably at the, the lowest point it's ever been. I'm going to ask you to take us on a memory trip here. What was happening in Michigan government before that fateful night that we had the primary and an hour later she announced the first cases. And what do we need to get back to when things quote unquote get back to normal? That pile is growing. <laughs> so what was happening? First of all, uh, roads were stalled. That's been the story for uh, a year plus, I think. Uh, secondly, there um, was a budget going on, some new budget no negotiations, and the first time that they're doing it under a new process that they um, negotiated after last year's went south. Um, and now, uh, you know, they were working on next year's budget. And in the meantime, the coronavirus has blown, a, by some accounts, $4 billion hole in this year's budget. Um, that's a big hole. <laughs> so uh, right now, I, I think that you know, the budget is probably the most most pressing issue for the legislature um, to address. But at the same time, they're doing all this uh, legislation, too, that, that deals with the coronavirus, things like extending tax filing deadlines, um, uh, some, some legislation up in the House tomorrow. 
But I think that, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of business as usual that has gotten put on hold, especially as the legislature in the first month or so hesitated to do in-person meetings and hasn't set up any sort of electronic meeting um, capabilities. And so, Emily, I, I would be remiss if we didn't actually ask you how you're doing. You know, you're you're having to kind of be in the foxhole doing this day in and day out, managing a team of five and then include you. Where you know, where's your head at? What's what's day to day and how are you finding respite? How are you resetting yourself to get back to do the fire hose? How are you right now? Yeah, um, I am good, but I really <laughs> miss my office. <laughs> I feel like good good is the is the new replacement to busy. Everyone used to say I'm busy, everyone now says I'm 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 good, man. Everything's good. I'm, I'm just a bad liar. You'll never see me as, a, as someone who can manage that. Um, yeah, I know. I'm really missing my office and uh, my colleagues and my normal team. Of course, I love the, the team I'm with and the team I'm managing right now. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I miss my office, frankly. I, I miss being able to, to talk with people. I've noticed that sources that um, I have gotten a chance to, to call that I've you know, known for a long time or covered for several years. Um, you know, they seem starved for attention too. I call and it's like a half hour where we'd normally only have time for five minutes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hanging in there. I think that, that everyone is, but, um, certainly the office is also a better working environment for me today. I kid you not, I was typing on this very computer and a spider dropped down from my ceiling <laughs> in front of my computer. I like scream profanities. My husband had to come rescue me. Like my cat ran away. Like so, I, I will say that the M Live offices are are very nice to work out of in comparison to my kitchen. I want. I'm going to remind you of that when we're all back in the office. So. But I, I got to tell you, along those lines, a few weeks ago, I dropped masks off for our employees at the hubs, and I went into the Flint Journal hub, um, which was empty, of course. And I get to the back, and there's photographer Jake May and it was a human being um, and he was in a suit because he had covered a, a funeral for a veteran and he was in there with his cameras but you know we, we, we properly distanced you know and I hermetically sealed a mask for him in a Ziploc bag but we ling I lingered you know it was good to see a human being and, and engage uh, with humans again so you know I think we're in our ninth week now it's it, how are you holding up, Eric? I would echo some of what Emily was saying. I think as as social creatures, as tribal creatures, we want to be around other people. And what I think will be interesting is as this goes forward, and Emily, I would love your perspective on this. If this goes into June, I wonder what the temperature in Michigan is going to be. I don't know that Michiganders are going to want to do 16 weeks of this because you know once we get to in my opinion once we get to week 12 and 14 and 15 now it feels like you're telling me you're going to wait for a vaccine which we obviously economically probably can't do but Emily I wonder your perspective on that like the longer this goes it feels like that 70 25 ends up starting to tick the other way yeah, I, I do think that there's something to that. And I also think that as the weather gets nicer, um, there's just right. not a lot right. that can pe keep people inside. I will say the one beautiful Saturday we got, and I say one because there's only been one, um, <laughs> I went on a bike ride in, in my town and it was just like completely normal. It was like as if there were not a pandemic going on. You know, I rode 15, 20 miles and um, 
when I was uh, up in Old Town, our shopping district, like people were just proceeding like usual. I saw people like getting takeout, but then just eating it together, crowded around tables. And I was mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, people's resolve uh, diminishes a little bit, both as the weather gets nicer and as they're um, starved for, for human interaction here. And, and you know, I, I will say, too, that video doesn't replace everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sure. I'm it's when you're sitting uh, in the same place and using your computer to do everything from uh, recording a podcast to meeting with people for work to going to a birthday party. Like at some point, I just got to get off this computer. <laughs> so well, yep. I saw some data. Uh, it's being, you know, cell phone companies can track where people go. And you've seen these stories, too. But I, I had a little bit of a theory that Mother's Day was going to put a crack in the resolve especially in the spring, um, you know, on a weekend that people were going to travel a little bit and the people who had, you know, been self quarantining or staying away, would make some kind of exception, some kind of family exception. Um, and I think to your point too, when she loosened the golf, for instance, and allowed golfing, uh, that weekend I went out and golfed and it was like tasting forbidden fruit. It was like I had, a, <laughs> I had a normal day. I, you know, I shot terrible. I, I drank a beer, but I was outside. And after being indoors for seven or eight weeks, it was like, how do you put it back in the bottle? Right. Yeah. And I think you've seen the governor be really strategic with uh, like noticing some of those patterns when she's announced uh you know, close closures of, of places. You saw her, for instance, close bars and restaurants right before St. Patrick's Day. Um, that was, I, I think, pretty calculated. We know that uh, St. Patrick's Day is one of the biggest holidays for, for bars in Michigan. And then, uh, you know, just recently she announced the, the latest stay-at-home order goes um, past Memorial Day, which I think was another marker that people were looking at as maybe a, maybe a time they could get away. And that was shut down pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you do run into a little bit of human, uh, human limitations, as I say. Sorry, if if sh- my editor Shannon Murphy listens to this, she will laugh at me because every time I like hit a wall, I say I'm running into human lim- limitations. Like, <laughs> like she'll ask me to write a story at like whatever 9 a.m. and I've been at work for a bunch of hours, like, you know, back when, when I was in the legislature and it would go until 6 a.m. or something, she'd be like, can you do a story? And I'd be like, I'm hitting my human limitations. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not a cyborg. <laughs> right. So, so I do sort of feel like we're hitting our human limitations collectively right now. <laughs> Emily, the presidential primary is usually one of the biggest stories of the year for us in Michigan in the presidential election year. It just so happened that that day, within an hour of the conclusion of the Democratic primary, we announced our first coronavirus cases. Can you explain or talk about everything that was going on that day? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy time for us. Frankly, our, our team had been working on the the presidential primary for uh, months <laughs> at that point and following everything really closely. Um, and so the the night of the primary, uh, the results were called pretty early, uh, earlier than I think we we thought they uh, would have been for um, Joe Biden, who the governor had endorsed. Um, but pretty quickly, we <laughs> got the the notification that the first um, coronavirus cases had come out and had to jump on that story that night. There were two cases at that point. Um, and I know it's easy to forget there's an election going on sometimes, but it's a, a presidential election year. 
And um, that night just just really sticks out in my mind. If you had ever told me, um, you know, six months ago or a year ago that in a battleground state of Michigan, our uh, presidential primary results would be the second most important story that I covered in a week, uh, I would have said you were crazy. But uh, here we are. Yeah. John, Emily, thank you so much for the time. This has been a fun first episode. Uh, Emily, go go rest for a second before all this kicks back in. And, and John, you and I will talk next time. Yes, thank you, Emily. Much props to you and your team. Uh, fantastic work on behalf of all the citizens of Michigan. Great job. Hey, thanks for having me.